In this episode, I had the immense pleasure of sitting down with Bronson of All Father Games. We spoke about our different DM styles and specifically spoke about the 3-2-1 methodology. This methodology, in addition to everything we spoke about in the episode, was really geared and focused on helping players of every enjoyment and of every facet to really immerse themselves in the game. In addition, we gave tips to dungeon masters on how to better immerse players in Dungeons and Dragons. If you enjoyed this episode, remember to follow All Father Games on social media and be sure to subscribe to this podcast. Without further ado, let's check out this episode and as always, keep gaming. Hey folks, Brian here. Today I have an awesome guest with me, Bronson, aka All Father Games, is with me on the podcast. Bronson, how you doing, my friend? I am doing so good. I'm glad to be here, man. Hey, I appreciate you hanging out. I appreciate your patience during our audio kerfuffle, so to speak. Um, <laughs> earlier on, folks, we were battling. This was a CR30 audio issue, it seems. <laughs> hey, uh, don't let Brian talk this out of uh, my ballpark because i was totally at fault the entire time so as he's trying to solve the problem i'm secretly over here accidentally sabotaging everything so don't give him or purposefully maybe this was like a maybe this is like a puzzle that dms give to their like players on purpose just to mess them up little did you know it's actually a utility puzzle that dms give to other dms so uh, that's, that's what you oh mean. no curses <laughs> no that's no it was good we resolved it but man i'm glad you're on here how you been my friend really good really good the the hobby world is chugging along and we're uh, i absolutely love to see all of the growth that we've been experiencing in dungeons and dragons in general so yeah we've seen a lot of growth man from like not only like a monetary growth in the sense of like D D wizards like their their revenue stream or rather their revenue but seeing other streams grow seeing other content creators grow and it's been really nice it's been really cool um so when did you start playing D D though uh let's see well so the first time I actually like really started playing D and D, that would probably be like 2016, I think. Nice. Um, so uh, first time, first exposure to D and D was uh, probably 10 years ago. Now uh, played a session of like 3.5. Mm-hmm. My brother-in-law was nice enough to invite me along, and it did not take like. <laughs> 3.5. 3.5 did not work for me like at I all. Hear that. It was I too hear crunchy that. or something, or I don't know. The group didn't like me. Any number of things could have been the problem, but it just didn't take. Uh, and then in 2016, uh, I was like, you know what? Uh, I'm going to try out a, a new role-playing game. And uh, I actually got started with uh, Keith Baker's role-playing game. So he's, he's the designer. Ebron is his, his yeah. baby. Um, but he did Phoenix Dawn Command. Okay. And uh, it's a it's a card driven RPG, and that's what got me into RPGs again. And then after running, you know, a year of that in 2015, mm-hmm. uh, 2016 got into Fifth Edition and uh, haven't turned nice. back since. Nice, nice. What did you like about Fifth Edition compared to uh, 3.5? Uh, well, it's it's definitely accessible. Accessibility mm. is the key term here. Uh, when we're trying to introduce friends to something and bring them to the table and just enjoy a game, nobody wants to see something 
it's just like oh that's a lot of that's a lot True. of numbers that's a lot of math and stuff True. and uh when you can just sit them down and be like hey roll the roll the d20 the big one with a 20 on it and uh we'll add that number to it like okay cool yeah. man and they can play D all of a sudden they're at the table playing with you instantly and so that that level of accessibility has made uh what i think leaps and bounds for the hobby and it really streamlined the game yeah it, like fifth edition really streamlined the game where and, and let's look at D beyond not this you know this is my self-awareness i guess um, or, you know, my own self plug, because I love D&D Beyond this, you know, this is something where I think, okay, if you can use it, use it because from character creation to campaign, you streamline everything. And that is really important to me. Because like you said, I can teach someone who's never played, and I have go on D&D Beyond, sign up, get, you know, get a character started, now you'll see what the options are. Build your character. Everything's there for you. And in 30 minutes, you can start playing and like, oh, you got to roll this thing called the D20. And then whatever the result is, you add and plug this number in and so on and so forth. I think that's really cool. And I think streamlining the game is really important. That's what's going to bring people into the hobby and really grow the hobby more. Definitely, definitely agree with that. So very good. I'm, you know, I'm excited to see what fifth edition comes out with later on. Um, I think that, you know, you mentioned that you started playing in 2016 and I really, I love hearing that. I love also hearing that like now we're diving into Dragonlance and all these other ones. So um, from your experience, do you, and, and I mentioned that because do you as a DM or as a player enjoy these modules that are coming out? You know, the, you, you know, the kind of like the dragon lances, the spell jammers of right. D&D. Do you enjoy that or would you rather play or DM in a homebrew world? So that is actually uh, kind of a rubbing point for me because I do not use modules. Uh, I am currently like three in months spirits. into my, my very first module ever. Uh, a run and run in uh, water deep dragon heist nice um and running that for my players and i have to say as a dm as a as a creator mm -hmm. um what modules have done or working with that module is it forces me to learn someone else's game mm, and it's yeah. it it really sucks the fun out of it for yeah. me yeah. Uh, while while i don't mind the playing and actually you know just winging it at the table that's great modules work just fine uh, but when it comes to actually preparing for the session i feel so burdened and taxed and stressed to know what's in this book while if i'm homebrewing i can make it up on the fly and suddenly it's, it's canon that's right and it's your own world exactly so every whatever you've created is the foundation that you just build upon when you are role-playing when you are doing whatever right right i see that i can see that um i have a love-hate relationship with modules i like reviewing them for the content oh I, yes I, I love you know the modules i mean i will buy modules just for the content now um that's besides like i i kind of view modules and supplemental material differently right mm -hmm. like fizz bands okay 
I love fizz bands. I think it's great. I think it's fantastic. Now, Curse of Strahd, I love, it was actually a pretty well-written module, but yeah. I'll take ideas from there because it's a source of inspiration. Yes. A couple episodes back, like someone kind of enlightened me to that idea. And I, I thought about it. I pondered it a little bit more and started buying some of the Pathfinder. Pathfinder came out with like mini modules, like almost like level one through five quests. Okay. Um, and I fell in love with them because I was like, I can take this quest apply it into my world, change some of the things about it so that it fits my world. And holy crap, I just saved myself two hours of prep. Awesome. That's what I love about modules that you can take, you can plug and play. And I don't think a lot of players or DMs specifically realize that. Like we could start using modules and we should start using modules for the plug and play aspect. I mean, it doesn't have to be official whiz kids or I mean, wizards, excuse me. Like, I think it could be like Cobalt Press, any of these other companies that are creating stuff. I don't know if you're familiar or if you like any of the MCDM products. Oh, dude, I am a huge Matt Colville proprietor. Bro. Yeah. Yes, dude. <laughs> I, I, I hate to say it like this. I would love to play in a Matt Mercer game, but I would love, absolutely love to just be a fly on the wall in a Colville game. Just, okay. I just want to watch it. Um, just because I think Colville is a great world builder. Not that Matt Mercer isn't. Matt Mercer is a great storyteller. Mm -hmm. So if I could have my way, I would love a Colville world and a Mercer story. That would be, that would be a lot of fun. I, my mind would just blow. Just saying. <laughs> that would just be saying. awesome. So, you know, you like, you know, you mentioned you started playing in 2016. Okay. Did you start DMing as well in 2016 or was that later on? Yeah. So I actually just jumped right into being a DM. Nice. Because for, for, for me, uh, it's about the creative outlet. I am, I am a home brewer. I'm a world builder. Uh, what I love is the mutual mm. storytelling aspect of Dungeons and Dragons. For and sure. so I had, a, I had a single group that we would play you know, every two weeks, once a month or so. Um, but then in 2018, I deployed to Afghanistan with the army. Mm -hmm. And thank you. For that is when that is when I became a serious DM. It okay. wasn't like, oh, yeah, I'm just DMing for my friends. No, like I'm DMing for random people on this base that I'm at for the weekend. Yeah. Right. Because I would I would run. Uh, I probably ran total. 200 games across oh, wow. a year uh, awesome. like just 200 sessions games and sessions two two different things but probably 200 sessions across a year because mm -hmm. i was playing every other night for weeks and weeks and weeks yeah and the creative interactive storytelling that took place that's where dnt really comes to life for me that's beautiful, man. And again, thank you for your service. I, I appreciate yeah. um, what you have done. And especially, I, I feel that a lot of folks, and actually, I, I need to introduce you to Ray, AK Got DM, because he was in the Air Force and just a brilliant guy, man. I love him to death. And we've talked about this because he mentioned how he introduced D&D &D, um, back to some of his friends who he served with as well. And it was interesting because the storytelling aspect, again, multiple people have said this, and this is why, like when multiple people say this, it's true in my Right, opinion. it's time to start listening. <laughs> like, it starts, yes, it starts, it's time to start listening. 
this is a collaborative storytelling game. Yes. Because it's a collaborative storytelling game, it's completely different than any other game. You don't see the in-depth relationships um, or you rather don't gain the in-depth relationships like that you would, I don't know, let's say like playing like Warhammer, right? I love, I love the concept of Warhammer. Yeah, yeah. I think it's awesome. Building armies, battling it out. And there's a lot of lore behind it. But you cannot change the lore. Games Workshop has a lore set. This is what you do, and that's it. Same yeah. thing with like middle, you know, Battle for Middle Earth or uh, the battle companies. Like you can't change any of the, of the Middle Earth lore. However, if you were to play a role-playing game within, you know, that world, maybe you could. Maybe you can create your own fellowship that goes in secret to protect the fellowship you know the actual fellowship from this 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 and that or whatever it may be right or Dude, I love that idea. i'm just saying i'm just saying <laughs> like you can come up with some really cool stuff um if you like skyrim again you can create a world just like skyrim and create your own or rather even just create your own skyrim right create your own slice of heaven and make an amazing story uh with your friends but I don't know. I, I, I have this thing where I feel like even if we've talked about the modules, we don't really need them. Right. We're not relying not, upon Not one that. bit. Yeah. Like, I think the only book that you really need is the player's handbook and you would be okay. Yeah. You'd uh, survive. When, yeah. As, as long as your DM has knows what they're doing, you could, yeah. you could literally have a single player's handbook a single yep. PHP at the table and everyone would be able to function just fine and i mean let's be honest like if everyone chipped in 10 bucks you have five players you could buy it you know it's a, it's a and again hence i what i love about dnd it's a low barrier to entry yeah you can you can get into it but anyway i digress you're gonna a lot of folks on this show um we we tend to rant a lot myself and the guest included Mostly me, though, because it is what it is. Well, I think that that just shows that we're passionate and we have uh, oh, hell yeah, based on experience. You know, Oh, hell yeah. We know what we're talking about. Well, <laughs> I hope to know what I'm talking about because <laughs> yeah, I, I, I love this hobby. So much. Dude, fingers, toes, everything crossed, <laughs> man. Um, but, you know, we talked about fifth edition. However, there are rumors that sixth edition is coming out. What do you Ooh. think that's going to be the impact? Um, yeah let's talk about that so i think that if we do because remember dungeons and dragons it's a wizards of the coast it's a business like any other business right sure they have to progress they have to release content in order to progress as a company yeah Uh, we we see that with uh phasing things out uh and and bringing uh monsters of the multiverse in we see that with uh spell jammer yes Look, I'm, I'm a big sci-fi guy, so I'm super excited about Spelljammer. It's going to be good. Um, but as they continue to release these supplements to varying degrees of success, um, I think that they're over time going to kind of compile unearthed arcana material mm-hmm. into something that will probably look more like a 5.5. I don't think okay. that we're going to see a huge upheaval in the rule set like we did from three five to four or four to five. Sure. Um, I think that it's just going to be 
kind of, uh, hey, here is a new, uh, here's the new player handbook with all the errata that we've encountered over the years. You know, mm. here's all the stuff that we've realized, hey, we probably should include this at the beginning. And, you know, we're just going to take Tasha's and we're just going to shove that in the player's handbook because it's yep. gold. Uh-huh. So all that, I think it's just going to be, hey, here's the, here's the new updated version. And it'll probably just, we'll probably end up calling it 5.5. Probably. I like that. I, I think you've captured it really well. I think that fifth edition will grow and expand and they won't necessarily say it's sixth edition because right. from a financial perspective, you're going to piss off a huge clientele. <laughs> yes. Like if you buy the books at, you know, at cost or at your local game store cost, yeah, you know, that's 50 plus dollars a book every single time. And if you have books like I do, that's a, that's several hundred dollars. Like, yes. And not including any D&D Beyond content. Right. Right. Double dipping for D&D Beyond. Oh, my which, word. Which I'm just saying, if, if Wizards ever hears this, just, you know, thank me later. You can send those royalties if you want. Um, I think that you should increase the book price to about $60, but then add a QR code yes. so that you can get the free yes. copy on D&D Beyond. And that way now you've essentially paid for two books because it sells on Amazon for 30, right? right? So you're not breaking the bank by, <coughs> excuse me, you're not breaking the bank by raising the price. On the contrary, I think I, I know for sure I would buy books for $60 if it came with two books, a digital and a, and a physical copy. I think that would be great. But that's right. You're, you're exactly on it. Because the reason that I am not in D&D Beyond, I am, I am completely analog. I am yeah, not uh, I in online. That. I don't do anything online. I don't do Roll20. I don't do D&D Beyond. Mm. Uh, and the reason is because I have already spent my money. Yeah, I, I only got so many dollars and it's going to very specific things. Sure. Um, and because of that, I have not been able to just essentially double dip, drop the money again for an online version. Yeah, uh, it, it's exorbitant for me. But I really like your idea with having a, a code or even just a discount or something saying, something. hey, you bought the you bought the book. Here's 25 percent off for the online version of this book. You know, that would definitely help shrink that uh that hurdle for a lot of people i i you know i think paizo does this thing where it's the humble bundle or it's like something it's Mm. one of those where you for like there are times where you can get their entire pathfinder collection for like 20 dollars digital and i think that's brilliant i mean i i don't mind digital again i'm a very physical i like the physicality of minis, terrain, props in D and D, just because I think maybe my players can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it adds value to the game. It helps players immerse themselves in a game of fantasy, right? Like it's yeah, you could use gummy bears, obviously. Like you could use gummy bears if if you really want to go the cheap fun route, and especially if you have kids. You know, I have a daughter. Like when she learns to play D and I'll probably use gummy bears because who wouldn't want to, you know, pretend that that's an orc and then eat the orc after, you know, 
you're done fighting it. But that is really immersive, right? That, that is part of the immersive storytelling. My question for you is when it comes to the necessities, mm-hmm. right? Terrain, so on and so forth. What do you believe is the necessity for immersion? For immersion? Ooh. So I, hmm, that's tough. Because when we're talking about, uh, you know, we, we get into the old Gygax terminology, you know, the theater of the mind and sort yeah. of things like that. Um, what we've seen with how, how rules have progressed in D and D, how we've become very particular about, Hey, my five foot range and I'm able to move this distance. And my spell is 120 feet. Um, at the very, at the bare minimum, uh, I think that you need a piece of grid paper and little doobly doos to put onto the grid paper. Um, at that point, all that you're doing there is making sure that you're able to mechanically track the game, right? Oh, I so I know that I'm this distance away because then you get people frustrated with like, well, how far was he? Because inevitably as dungeon masters, we can't describe everything. And if we were, sure. the evening would just digress. And the next thing you know, someone's made a fart joke and we've all forgotten what happened anyways, right? Yes. So at the bare minimum, you need a piece of grid paper and some little cubes to put on the grid paper so you know where everybody's at. That's just mechanics. Now, as we're delving into immersion, there's a lot that we can do there. Mm -hmm. Uh, First thing that we can do to help with immersion, provide music, Yeah, right? Uh, That is going to help set the atmosphere. Second thing we can do, uh, maybe lighting, depends on your situation, right? Think about it. Um, A really fun game I played, we played by candlelight. And it was just fun and thematic and it gets kind of warm in the room and you you want to make sure you're in a cooler room and stuff. Hopefully it's, it's surprising what four candles will do in the room is it makes things hotter. Yeah, absolutely. Um, But then you start getting into uh, maps and Mm -hmm. uh, cool map tiles and there's interactive boards. And I've seen people with TVs and stuff. Those are cool. Um, jay's tabletop he's always got these awesome dioramas and stuff Mm -hmm. um but i think that as long as you have a a grid a grid map Mm -hmm. whiteboard probably could work uh and then a couple of key minis right you can use cubes and dice and coins or whatever for orcs and goblins and stuff but the moment you put that big bad guy out there on the map yeah everybody's like whoa dude like when did this become serious you know yep. and it helps to portray that for our players it helps them realize like oh this is like a serious moment sure and in so doing you have elevated the game with 20 bucks you know what did it, what did it really cost yeah. you and then sure. reuse reuse it in another campaign and it does the same thing uh but i would say that's where you're going to get your biggest bang for the buck terrain is mm incredible if you have the time and money for it sure. uh, but even a, a 15 dollars unpainted mini from etsy you know some some dude who 3 3d printed it for you yeah you're gonna get you're gonna get a huge bang for your buck immersively speaking that's Very where true. I think, yeah that's where i think a lot of that is so. i think you hit the nail on the head though that 
um, or rather what it sounds like is that every little thing compounds upon one another. Yes. Right. If you are using, I mean, I hate to say it, but this is how big of a nerd I am. I always have minis at arm's length, <laughs> arm's reach. Um, just because for me, like this is, you know, well, that's because I love minis, but <laughs> minis, in my opinion, are not only is it like my humble addiction, I, I will fully say that I'm a mini connoisseur. Um, minis terrain things of that nature it takes the scope from this to now i'm here right yeah. it, instead of being at the ten thousand foot you know high level overview i'm now right here in the moment and i can imagine everything i can visually see everything right i can visualize it i can hear it if my dm is um adding other elements to it i can maybe understand the smells that are going right you you know we've i've talked about before and i and i'm assuming that um most dms or rather i'd hope that most dms do this utilize the five senses right visual audio you know taste sound wh whatever it may be uh smells rather um evoking thoughts and feelings and i think that's what this all this stuff does right the terrain the minis it helps evoke emotions and thoughts um, but for me, obviously, like if, and we talked about this earlier, if it's a barrier of entry, don't do it. Like, I don't, I would rather you just play the game than have to worry about, oh my gosh, now I have to buy these minis and I have to buy this terrain and, you know, I'm broke as a joke or I'm like a college kid, whatever it may be, you know, it, or, Hey, I'm just, you know, single, just trying to make, make my way through things, living paycheck to paycheck. And I love this hobby, but I don't want to spend too much money on it, right? 100%. That's at least where I'm coming from. Um, but my question to you then is when you started collecting minis, terrain, things like that, you know, obviously you, you know, you were, you have a family and things like of that nature. What do you recommend to that person who's listening right now, who's wanting to start their collection, whether it's books, minis, terrain, what would you tell them? How would you tell them to start collecting in a way that's quote fiscally responsible hmm. okay um fiscally responsible uh away away in so second hand okay yeah H humble yourself and go second hand totally yeah. acceptable guys go to your friendly local game shop uh go in there and poke through the warhammer minis yeah uh, inevitably someone sold their warhammer army True. uh piecemeal to the shop you know and you can find some super cool mini from a different game mm -hmm. uh, on the cheap. And so yeah. suddenly you, you have a big boss mini yeah. that only costs you 20 bucks, you know? Yeah. Uh, it didn't and it's cost painted. You the, yeah, right. And someone already painted it for you. Mm -hmm. And it didn't cost you the hundred bucks that it cost that guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Definitely do that. Uh, a lot of these 3D printer guys out there, uh, Etsy is a great place to go. Uh, you can look for exactly what you're looking for. It's really not crazy and just here a little, there a little, right? Yeah. You don't have to do it all at once. Please, please True. people don't do it all at once um, because you'll find, well, I would say do it as you need to actually hmm. uh, not even, not even just like, oh yeah, every here, here a little, there a little uh, do it when you need to, because I like that idea. 
Yeah. Cause there's, there's some things that you're like, Ooh, man, they're going to have a big session. You know, it's been three months of them working up to this session. They're going to have a big session. You know what? That's a great, that's a great week to skip out on a, you know, a, a grease burger that week for lunch and get you a mini instead. Right. I like you how know, you say grease burger. Right? You can, you can take that money that you would spend on a, uh, overpriced coffee, uh, skip your, skip your overpriced yeah. coffee for two days and put that towards a mini, right? Yeah. It's all about allocations, but then at the same time, uh, doing that all the time. All right. You're, you're where, where you're, where's your priority at? Right. True. So true. It's, uh, do it when you need to. And yeah. then when you do, uh, it's obvious to your players that you have, uh, elevated the game that you are putting more, to the table for them and it makes a big difference for them absolutely man i mean and, and that remind it's funny because for me i was you know buying books and buying minis and i was like okay well i'm gonna i gotta adjust certain things because i really you know i wanted to get back into jujitsu that's that's besides dnd i love jujitsu like that's one of my bet it's not even a hobby because it is a, and that's my opinion but I think jujitsu and D&D share something in common. It's not just a hobby. It's a, it's a passion. Okay. Like you have to be passionate about, and from my experience, you have to be passionate about jujitsu because there are times where you're just going to feel like you stink at it. And there's going to be times like as a dungeon master that you feel like you stink at storytelling mm. because of you, uh, of you seeing someone, right? We were talking about Matt Mercer earlier, like, everyone has the whole Matt Mercer effect and, and, and all that, which I think, you know, I don't think it's valid. I feel, I feel, I'll say it like this. Not that I don't think it's valid. I don't want to not validate someone who goes through that. What right. I think happens is that I feel, I, I feel sad that people believe that they need to be like Matt Mercer. When if your players are having fun, that's all that matters. Yes. Does that make sense? Yes. Have Guys, you struggled or dealt with that from other people? Um, so I, as much as like on social media, I might give people crap about being like the eternal DM and stuff. Yeah. I, I like it. I'm on the, I'm on mm -hmm. the right side of my screen. So it's I, where, I it's that. where I, it's where I like to be. Yeah. Weaving the story for the group. For sure. Uh, but there are a lot of people out there that have thought about it. Mm. Uh, some, uh, the, the thing that comes to mind is just some kid in a class uh, with his buddies. And he's like, oh, but I'll never be as good as somebody else. That's, yeah. Guys, uh, stop. Stop saying that to yourself. If you are a player and you have had the thought, man, it would be cool to give it a shot and weave the tail there are so many resources out there for you mm -hmm. to help you weave your one shot so yeah. that you can build a, a fun and engaging three to five hour story for your friends. And more than anything, they're just going to be thankful that they got to play. Yeah. Um, it, we're, we're so, we're so quick to criticize ourselves and we think, Oh man, that was just the crappiest session of my career. What yeah. have I done? I've ruined everything. When really, then you talk to your buddy uh, later on in the week mm -hmm. and he's like, man, that was a super fun session, dude. Yeah. I'm excited for next week. And yeah. he didn't, he, he didn't see what didn't happen behind the screen. Yeah. They have no idea. They have no idea that their 
on the side quest of side quests and they're totally yeah. not doing anything that they're supposed to be doing. They're just having fun. And that's what it's about. As long as your players are having fun, yeah. you're a successful DM. I, I wholeheartedly agree. Um, I think more people need to hear that and less, and, and they need to hear less of the voice inside their head, so to speak, that tells them, Hey, you're not that great. Or like, and this wasn't great or could have been better at that. Obviously I'm not saying there isn't room for self-improvement. I am not saying that. (laughs) Please. I absolutely think, and and this is where I, I perhaps am a bit critical of myself because I always see a room for improvement. But you got to balance that out. But, but actually, something I really wanted to talk to you about, I'm a huge world builder. I love world building. I started the Bearded Nerd to show folks how to world build. Take me through your world building process. How do you start, when you, whether it's a town or a city or uh, a, a culture or whatever, yeah. what, what's the first thought that you have as a world builder? Okay, so this is actually something that uh, I specialize in as well. Uh, just a couple of weeks ago, I presented a world building workshop, the principles of world building at KublaCon in San Francisco. Nice. And in this workshop, I discussed how, uh, if anyone's familiar with video game rendering, mm. uh, the world is only rendered, meaning you can see it, the, the, the video game makes, the, the program makes the world only where the character is looking or the 180 degrees in the direction that the character is looking. Yeah. We need to be doing the exact same thing in role-playing and mm-hmm. tabletop role-play. If you sit down at your table and you're like, I'm going to make a world dude, you're going to be overwhelmed and it's going to burn you out. Mm-hmm. Start small who, what, when, where, why, yeah. and then progress outwards have a couple of encounters that you can just pick up and drop on wherever they're at. Yeah. Okay. I, I use the, the five step, uh, the, the five, the five room dungeon, uh, John four, uh, he's incredible. Yeah. Uh, I call it the five step encounter. You can literally pick up and drop any encounter on your players. And it feels like an organic natural part of the world. Mm-hmm. And when you do that, uh, you've essentially rendered the world where the players are looking. Because if we sit down and we make a plot and we're like, okay, this is the thing. And you know, there's this uh, guy named Joe in a tavern two towns over and he's going to have this problem, but they're never going to find Joe. Yeah. What you can do is you can make Joe and you can give him a description and you know, his voice and personality and the next tavern keeper that they encounter is going to be Joe. True, exactly. And then you just write that down and you have just grown your world with your players. Mm-hmm. Why would I sit down and make a world by myself when I have four to six other players at the table helping me, once again, communal storytelling, helping me make this world and suddenly things are becoming canon because it's a beautiful moment when the players walk into a bar and they're like, I want to talk to the barkeep. Okay, what is the barkeep's name? And the player looks at you and like, what do you mean? What's his name? What's his name? Uh, Garl. Excellent, Garl. And you turn to another player and you say, describe something unique about Garl. They say, oh well, he has a he has an eye patch. And it looks like he's an old battle hardened veteran. Excellent. Guess what? Every time those players return to that town to that city, they're gonna go look for Garl. Because yeah. they helped make him. 
suddenly your players are not just along for the ride, riding the lightning, if you will. Your players are invested and engaged in your world because they helped you make it. And it's a beautiful mm. moment. That I do like that concept. I like the concept of having them co-create. Yeah. Right. I, my question is, how do you, how would you tell a DM who kind of spoon feeds their players, right? I have a lot of folks who, on, especially like on my Patreon um, and those who I've had in live sessions, things of that nature, the common question has always been, or the common concern has been, I feel like I'm spoon feeding. I'm feeling like I'm carrying my party, which okay. that language makes me see makes me a little bit curious it makes me a little bit um cautionary i guess you could say the word because it's you shouldn't feel like you're carrying your players you know what i mean like yeah, you yeah, should, yeah. the way i think about it is that you present something you offer it and then your players can choose to go to it or not right mm-hmm. but you still have to you still have to give them a little bit of something to get you know to quote lure them but you're, you shouldn't feel like you're carrying them. So in this case, right, where you're trying to entice them, having them tell the story, having them co-create, how would you tell a DM who feels like they're carrying their players and won't necessarily engage in that way? Okay. Um, here is, uh, I, would, I would probably start with uh, how much are we actually railroading our players, right? Mm. And when, when I use the term railroad, it's, well, the, it's, it's, it's paywalls, right? Yeah, it's, for sure. you've gone to the edge of town and you're not a high enough level to enter this area, yeah. right? Um, if you're going to run a homebrew or a sandbox or whatever, your players need to be aware that there are things in the world that are deadly yes. and can kill them. And that is a way to push them back onto the path. But inevitably mm-hmm. our players, they want to be heroic. They want yeah. to do, uh, they want to do great deeds. Yeah. And so uh, what I would say is we need to focus on the OSR model, right? Mm-hmm. When, when I refer to OSR, it's the old school Renaissance, uh, the yeah. old school revival. It's the idea of here's a problem or a puzzle that has no solution. It's whatever solution you guys come up with. No obvious thing for them to do. And that's the moment when the players look at each other across the table and they say, well, I guess we could try this. They say, well, ah, well, let's try something else. And then suddenly they've organically created their own path through your world yeah. because you provided them the opportunity to do that. Sure. If you're like, this is the... They're going to talk to this guy and he's going to tell them to go to there and you're going to tell them to go to there. And next thing you know, they're at a dungeon. Yeah. You, you just railroaded your players to the dungeon. Yeah. But yeah. if you provide them the OS, OSR style, here's a problem. What's the solution? Uh, your players are going to surprise you and they're going to come up with cool and creative things. And then suddenly you don't feel like uh, you're spoon feeding your players the story mm-hmm. anymore. But at the same time, we have to be okay with them not following our story. Absolutely. <laughs> right? If, if we're going to do that, uh, we get to be okay when they go back to town and they want to chit-chat with Boblin the Goblin. Because apparently... Favorite NPC. Right. Apparently, uh, talking to Boblin the Goblin is more 
entertaining to them yes. than following whatever story you thought they wanted to do. Mm -hmm. So we need to understand what our players are looking for in Dungeons and Dragons, because there's all sorts of things that they could be after. And if we have to spoon feed our players, we might need to reevaluate. Do I have a table full of hack and slashers? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Do not do a whole bunch of, don't have a role play session. Yeah. You can literally just drop them into combat and explain how, cinematic how they got there. And they will have a better time because they're rolling dice and they're crunching numbers and they're smashing skulls. You can even play you might Fortunate have a... Sons in the background, you know? <laughs> right, exactly. That's what they want out of Dungeons yeah. and Dragons. They want to mm. blow off some steam and just collect skulls. Then exactly. again, you might have another player who is just here for the role play. He wants to tell stories and yeah. experience his bard and do fun things. Yeah. And man, give them the masquerade. Drop them into yeah. social encounters and watch them shine and flourish. Yeah. But then, of course, the balance is we never have one or the other at our table. So we have to end it. True. And I think but, that's where wet, like a West Marshes style game really yeah. works, right? Yeah. Where you're focused on character development, you're really focused on the character. Like for me, if I had a, if I had a, well, rather the way I DM, I have multiple groups that are currently playing in my campaign. I have one group of in-person players that we um, we do more role play. We like story-driven things. We are just we just love story. I have another group that's in the middle. They're a bunch of DMs that they want story and they want to do a little hack and slash. That's fine. And I have another group that are complete hack and slash. I'm talking about they don't care about the story, right? They like you said, they like the cinematic approach to it. So what I did for them, I dropped them in a dungeon that they are in a massive dungeon crawl and they're able to at times find, a, uh, find ways to buy potions and buy things of that because it leads in the underdark, right? This uh -huh. massive dungeon kind of leads out into aspects of um, the underdark. It's kind of like Daedalus's labyrinth. That's kind of how I run the dungeon. So it's this big, massive thing where... You know, it constantly shifts and one moment they might get into the other dark and another moment they might be on another side of the continent. Um, so it just depends. But again, I feel like we as dungeon masters are not only facilitators, arbiters and whatnot, but we're also caterers. We have to cater the game to them because if they don't, you know, if they don't like it, then we don't have a story to facilitate. At that point, we rather we might as well just write a book. Yeah. Preach. Uh, you'll you'll find uh, whenever you you'll you'll hit the holiday the holiday slump, right? Everybody's got yeah. something going on. Yep. November to December, and then you'll send out your texts in January. Yeah. And you'll have people that won't make it back to your table. Right. And it's probably because we were not specifically catering to their play style. We're not providing them enough opportunity. Yeah. To play the play the game they wanted to play. Yep. And of course, there's outlying situations everywhere. I'm not saying that sure. you have done it wrong. Uh, what I'm saying is that we that's probably the experience that they had is it was just, oh, all these guys ever do is like chit chat all game. And I wanted to roll dice. Yeah. Well, I wanted to roll dice and slay monsters. Exactly. Exactly. It's hard. It's hard to balance that. So how do you balance that? How do you actually apply that? 
Yeah, excellent. Uh, so I like to use uh, the three, two, one model. I can't even remember uh, whose who's it is. So I wish mm -hmm. I could attribute them. Um, but in any one shot or in any session, you should be aiming for uh, three scenes, two combats, and one engaging role play. And as long as you're at least covering those bases, you can flex in whatever direction you need to in order to cater to your players, right? But with that, you're able to provide them enough to cover everybody's bases. Yeah. And then, of course, uh, once again, I'm mentioning it again, the, the five-step encounter, lead mm. with a puzzle or guardian, follow up with uh, a puzzle or role play situation. The setback should always be whatever it is your table likes most. So we could do two role plays in one combat situation. Right? Mm. Room four is the climactic combat encounter, or perhaps it's not a combat encounter. It's a social puzzle. And then the reward or the twist. And I would say always do your best to toss a twist in there because that's what hooks them into the next thing. So, um, yeah, I um, I really think that that is a very balanced methodology to it. Mm -hmm. I think that, how should I say this? I think it's simple enough where everyone can understand mm -hmm. it. And if you're not understanding it, that's where you kind of, got to take it back and say okay what are you not understanding let's pinpoint this let's figure this out right. um at least that's how i think about it so with that being said you know we, we're discussing kind of like your tips tricks but really the the actual fundamentals of dming and world yeah. building so on a day-to-day -day basis how how well first off depending on how many games you're running at a time what is your prep like? What are you doing to prep, especially using the, the, the three, two, one methodology? How, yeah, yeah. You know, what are you doing? What are your steps in that process? So I run a game every weekend. Okay. Um, I have, I have D and D every weekend. And so that's a lot of D and D. Yeah. Uh, step number one, everybody plays in the same world. Nice. Uh, very, very, it's not quite, uh red marches west marches whatever you want to call it yeah uh, it's not quite that style where they're all kind of a part of the same group uh, but it is they're all part of teams and they encounter things that the other players have meddled in yes and that that provides a really fun feel and it minimizes the amount of preparation that i have to do because remember i've been doing this uh for years mm -hmm. and i have run a lot of sessions literally yeah. hundreds of sessions in my dungeons and dragons career and they have all been in the same world yeah every single session and what be. that has done is just over time i have been able to accumulate hey here's this guy in this town doing this thing and i know what's going on there and what that has done is yeah it was it was work up front because remember, we're rendering whatever our players are walking into. Mm. But because I've had so many players and so many sessions rendering my world, my world's built. Yeah, uh, it's, it's very rare that I really have to invest a lot into, ooh, they've never been here before. Let's design a situation. Mm -hmm. And so what I'm able to do is just kind of, uh, I can recycle a lot of the things that I've done. Yeah. And yeah when I do need to build something, 
like you said earlier, uh, source from the material. It's yeah. already there. It's already made. Take it, pick it up, copy paste that right into your session. Yeah. Like, man, that's a really cool candle keep mystery. I think that that's a great supplement for little bits of things that you can pick up and drop wherever you want in yeah. your world. That's a really fun one. Uh, Ravenloft, uh, the, the oh, yeah. Curse of Strahd, uh, the, the, the Ravenloft guide is an incredible horror guide in helping you just kind of like, ooh, I like that idea. We're going to change his name. We're going to give him this type of damage and boom. Yeah. Suddenly you have a really cool villain for this area or this local town. And that, that helps a lot. Uh, and of course, sheer experience, I'm able to wing it quite a bit Uh, so i would say i would say for a lot of new dms um prepare to improv that will help you a lot yeah what i mean by that is have a sheet of uh the basics you know the stats of a thug the stats of an orc the stats of a whatever you know up to like cr5 just Mm -hmm. have the stats of a general this is what it might look like and they can encounter oh a random encounter boom excellent here is three thugs and a, uh, a gladiator that I'm going to call a thug captain. Yeah. And bam, uh, you have a fun little combat encounter that you just made up on the fly because you yeah. did the work ahead of time. Sure. You've laid the foundation down. Yeah, yeah. And then when you do need improv, you have a list of, you know, 40 fantasy name generator.com names, you know, and you're able to be like, yep, his name is. Garl Strongjaw and excellent. You've got Garl there. I love fantasy generators, right? Specifically, um, you're you and I are probably thinking the same one. It's uh, it's a very common one. I'll actually place the link uh, in the description below. It is a fantastic name generator. They have quite literally every name you can generate. But no, um, I do like that type of foundational um, style. Hmm. It's really. I call it foundational because that's quite literally what you're doing. You're laying a foundation down so that in 10, 20 years, when you are still playing this game, you've built a whole, a crazy world and an amazing lore that players can look back and be like, oh, I remember that. I remember right. when, you know, right. this person did that. Oh, I remember when Garl was the tavern keep. And now 20 years later, he's the mayor of the town. Yes, things of that nature. Um, I I love using that in my own game. Um, You've mentioned a couple of resources. Yeah. What are some of the resources that you use uh, that you've used, excuse me, to become a better dungeon master? Hmm. Okay. And I could could place any links that you have later in the description, but I just kind of want to know some of these um, some of these resources because you mentioned a couple of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So definitely prepared improv, having fantasynamegenerator.com gold. Uh, Another Mm. one. uh, I think you mentioned there was a book. I I think it was John Furr, you said? Uh, For J-O-H-N-N. He has two N's in his first name and two R's in his last name. John Furr. Okay. Um, uh, He is an absolute wizard of dungeon mastery. Okay. Um, other, Other resources... Uh, Cobalt Fight Club is okay. a great one. Uh, that's just a great resource. Uh, Dungeon Map Doodler. Okay, uh, I can send a lot of these to you. Yeah, that'd be great. That'd be fantastic. Yeah, yeah. So I, def- I definitely want to make sure that folks can 
you know, I definitely need to pick up that book, but I definitely want to also make sure that people understand that there are resources out there for you yeah. that aren't breaking the bank. Like, I feel like this episode has been more of like a, how to not break the bank, but in reality, <laughs> like that's what being a dungeon master is too. Like yeah. on average, dungeon masters spend 10 grand a year on just on, on, on things for, you know, related to the game. Right. If, you could, as, yeah. if anybody who's actually watching this as people are like oh as yeah the beholder. beholder and yeah <laughs> that's necessary though dude well you know my my dungeon is the the beholder's brig you know but it is what it is listen i'm trying to convince my wife to get like the dragon head like the red dragon's head but dude. she was like eh, may not really go well with our you know style and i was like eh, maybe it maybe it can maybe it can yeah I uh i would to anybody who feels like the price point is an inhibitor mm-hmm. it doesn't it doesn't have to be there yeah. everybody has done the work already guys yeah and as long as you have uh, you know uh, the 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 core the core books you have all the D that you need uh if you've got a, an internet connection you have all the resources that you need and we're like like brian said those will be in the in the link below so we'll make sure that all that we have is what you have too and that's why world building i feel like is such a rewarding aspect because yes you are only spending your time building a world which is rewarding within itself like that 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 is just the most at least for me it's a very rewarding um aspect of dnd it's probably the most rewarding that's probably what i love the most besides like of, of being a dungeon master is the world building and lore to it um and actually i definitely want you to to be on another episode of the podcast to specifically talk about your lore like i want to okay. go in depth about it obviously you we could hence the reason we need another episode because you could probably fill another episode with that um since you've been you've had 200 plus sessions of it dude um, i got all the things Dude, I so actually I will say this though. Where do you pull from? What 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 inspiration do you pull from? So I have this really secret source that I use for everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so anybody who's listening to this, watching this right now, don't tell anybody. Mm. Rip off everything. Yes, yes. <laughs> Literally yeah. freaking everything. Right. <laughs> yeah. my, my sinister laugh literally rip off everything you guys if it's a cool story that you've seen or a movie or whatever um the heck my children were watching like davy crockett some disney movie from like the 70s you know yeah and there's there's a random fictional character in that movie called thimble rig and he plays like a sleazy bard gambler guess what guys guess who the the random npc they're going to encounter the next tavern they go into Yes, I am Thimble Rig the Goblin. <laughs> I love 100%. it. 100%. Freaking Does he wear a monocle? Oh, definitely. And and like a bowler hat and everything. Yes. It's going to be glorious. And please let it be his tuxedo is too short for him. Yes. Even though he's a goblin. Yeah. Even better. Uh, his tuxedo is like, he has to roll it up because it's secondhand. You know, it's definitely oh, not. please. Yeah. It's like he's <laughs> rolled it up so much. Like, and he's yes. rolled up not only the shirt sleeve, but the jacket sleeve. Yes, the jacket sleeve, so you can three see like the three watches he's got on, you know, mm-hmm. like a like a really cheesy, uh, not cheesy, but a really sh- uh, 
shysty like seller let's just say that you'd find yes. it like new york where like the trench coats like you want watches yeah hey you want to buy a sundial was that the hercules hercules right? yeah. more disney yeah love yeah it. rip guys because the moment the moment you rip it off mm. and you you roll it in your theme a little bit and you slap a new name on it mm. your players aren't going to recognize it yeah right yeah, they might recognize correlations and be like, oh, like this is like this. And as long as you don't give them the eye, right? They'll never, they'll never know that that's exactly what you just ripped off. Yeah, right? understood. They can be like, oh, that's kind of like that story. You can be like, oh yeah, it kind of is like that story. It's a hundred percent like that story, right? Yeah. <laughs> and sure. that's okay. That's okay. You can do that. And that is what is fun is because what you're doing is you're taking the best you're taking the best and you're putting it into your table and that is bringing the best to your table it's it's exactly what it says so i i 100 um consume literature consume cinema consume anything any stories uh consume them and use them now do 100%. you consume them with the purpose of dnd in mind or do you consume them with the purpose of relaxation and then it goes you are inspired like how what's that process like um so i am actually in the process uh well I'm, i have most of uh, a sci-fi rpg made and when i was making that i consumed science fiction with the intent of creating science fiction okay so you you can you can do it with the intent if you're if you're in like hardcore grind mode like, mm-hmm. oh, I need to build a world because I'm starting up a campaign and I'd like to flesh out a plot. Okay, that's cool. Uh, consume for the intent of creation. But I think that when it happens organically, you're going to get a better result. True. Because what, what it means is that it stood out to you as, oh, that would be really cool. And that's when bringing it to the table, it feels better. Because you're not forcing it to the table. It just fits because it sounded good and man that was a great story i really liked that i'll use that detail so yeah i like that distinction i think um i think it does make sense um i think it does make sense to kind of look at it from the lens of okay i like science fiction or i like fantasy whatever it may be i naturally enjoy that and i want to create something you know, let's use, I'm going to say science fiction or even better yet, science fantasy. Let's yeah. do that. Like Star Wars. Star Wars is science fantasy. Yes. Any, anyone can, if anyone wants to argue, let's argue, but it's science. Let's fantasy. do it because it's let's, 100% science fantasy. It, it, it's <laughs> not science fiction. Um, so you want, let's say you like science fantasy and you want to create a world of science fantasy. Okay. Go towards that. Then, then yeah. consume it, consume everything. Baptize yourself in it, so to speak. Yes. But I think it's also okay to watch something that you truly enjoy and then be like, oh, I didn't think I was going to want to add this in my D&D yeah. campaign. And now I am. And I'm totally taking it. And then I'm running off with it, writing something really quick. Hence the reason I have notepads with me almost every time, everywhere, because I like to write down ideas and jot things down. My wife thinks I'm crazy, but she's now learned that I am actually crazy and it's okay. (laughs) It's okay. 
Yeah, the uh, so I would definitely say if you're going to consume with the intent of uh, like growing, uh, consume stories. Yes. Uh, regardless of genre, regardless of whatever you're looking for, um, what you're looking to become as a dungeon master is essentially a storyteller. Yes. Right. Now we have to be able to surrender some of that mm. to the players. And if we can't do that, stop playing D and D and go get work, go get to work on your book. Cause yeah. apparently you've got something glorious that you need to work on. But if you're able to surrender some of that to the players, um, it's about creating stories. Yeah. I highly recommend, I highly recommend folks to read Dune. Dune. Yeah. Uh, master storytelling. Yes. Um, it can be a little heavy for some, um, sure, but I would sure. say focus on uh, focus less on the lore in that and focus on the story that's being told, the people, Correct. the interactions, and that way you're not caught up in like, oh, who are the Harkonnen and stuff, and like you're trying to remember names and everything. No, nah, man, just enjoy the people and their interactions, and I think that uh, focus that's on the quirks, yeah, as yeah. well. Like when the Fremen say. You know, do you have a you do you have a water oath to them? Yes, yeah. you do. Ah, because now you start to say, well, wait a minute, the water oath. Water is a theme, right? You're you know you never like they are so focused on saving water because of the harsh environment that they're in that everything is like, oh, you have an oath of water to them, meaning that's important that you would shed your water, your you know quote whatever it may be to someone um i i really think picking up those details are important but i also know that we're kind of nearing the end of time especially as a father of a young daughter who craves the attention of not only her father but also likes to be fed you know and my and it's my turn to feed yeah and it sounds like my brood just got home so it's probably a good time to wrap it up hey i understand well i hope that you're doing well i Again, hope you and the family are doing well. I appreciate you coming on to the show. I really do, folks. Um, I will be placing links to All Father Games' social media uh, down in the description below. But again, folks, appreciate y'all listening. If you haven't already, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast. If you're watching this on YouTube, go ahead and subscribe to the channel. Give us a thumbs up. I'd really appreciate that. And let us know in the comments um, below what you think about this and what you'd like to hear more. Most importantly, folks, be kind and compassionate to one another. Crazy times, crazy things going on, but kindness and compassion go a long way. But until next time, folks, keep gaming.